1: We are off and running on a Tuesday
3: evening, game one of the World Series underway. That is Super Bowl champion and former Arizona Cardinal, John King. You like how I threw that out there? I like that. You're captain Cardinal, Undefeated, right? Undefeated
4: Arizona Cardinal.
3: You know, I feel like you're a conflicted man.
4: Not because... at all. Oh. Not at all. Still with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, though. No, I'm pulling from my pockets. I'm very well. Your pocket, clear with where my well, loyalty lies, and whichever team advances the furthest, that's who will be. That's the good thing. Is but you Buccaneers. have a future on the Bucs. Did you get one on the Cardinals? Uh, no. Oh, but I think I should. I think I should get a. I think I'm going to get a future today. Actually, on Cardinals to go undefeated. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you're all about that. I just don't. Unless they play a bad game, I don't see anyone beating them. Which
3: they could, but we will uh, we will see. They they got past uh, a tricky spot, no doubt, uh, with with the COVID situation that they were enduring, and then now they're facing a team that is dealing with their own COVID situation, which we'll get to uh, in just a little bit with a handful of our guests as well. But as mentioned, the World Series is underway, and if you bet even money that there would be a run in the first inning. Well, you cash that one because the first batter Jorge. of the World Series, Jorge Soler, went yard. First time in World Series history, Sean, that the first batter in the first inning of game one hit a home run. That's
4: amazing. Yeah. Wow. Shout out to Jorge, man. I I enjoyed it quite Came a bit. With the RBI, gone into a field choice, but got another run home after that. So is he the early front runner for MVP? I would, yeah, I would say Jorge Soler is probably... Prim- has a, a bomb.
3: Yep. Uh, Austin Riley, uh, who I know Cody Decker was high on, he's got a RBI double. Uh, Charlie Morton did leave this game with an injury. Something to keep an eye on there for the Atlanta Braves. Hopefully nothing too serious for the Braves as the team that they were just playing in the Los Angeles Dodgers were getting picked off left and right uh, with injuries. So Charlie Morton exited A.J. Minter into uh, in the game right now for... The Braves, but man, Braves could not have asked for a better start. And it wasn't, you know, surprisingly, I know Freddie Freeman got walked, but uh, it hasn't been Freddie Freeman. It's been a lot of other pieces uh, in this lineup. Like you mentioned, Jorge Soler went yard. Adam Duvall went yard. Uh, Austin Riley with an RBI double. So it has been a wonderful start for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, that series price here at Circa, at least earlier today when I checked on it, it was like 120 in favor of, uh, sorry, plus one twenty for the Braves, minus one thirty on the buyback for the Houston Astros. So really, as as close of a series price as we could have asked for, and I think some people may have been surprised. You know, we saw that series price open uh, last week minus one twenty five in favor of the Astros and plus one hundred five and back for uh, for the Braves, and I think some people were surprised how close those odds were, considering how prolific and dynamic this Houston Astros lineup I, I has wasn't been.
4: surprised. I was almost thinking that they might favor the Braves simply because of Lance McCullers. The ace of the staff, the Astros not being available at some point that matters. Mm-hmm. You know, they kind of were had already really locked up the White Sox series and and they kind of cruised against the Red Sox as they were scoring so many runs. You know, it didn't really matter, you know, what the pitcher was doing, but you know, against a team that has some good frontline starters, Charlie Moore and Max Free and the crew, you know, it could become a problem. And we'll see if it plays out that way in the series. But I definitely think the Braves are a live dog. Uh, Shout-out to my co-host who has a futures bet on the Braves to win the World Series. You got this pre-All-Star break or post? Opening day. Opening day. I mean, what a— I wish you'd have been more bullish. <laughs> oh, trust me, oh, at the All
3: Star break when they were below 500, I thought this thing was just might as well just yeah
4: throw it away. I wish you'd have been hydrating one night. It was like you know what <laughs> I'm going back in. They're 100 to one now. Let, so let me, let me he, throw 50 bucks on.
3: Here's the tricky part: is I you know I I really like the Braves preseason, um, and that's why I put in the futures bet. It was my only futures bet preseason. Now I did go in and I told you this. I went in I think in August. On the, Brave, or sorry, on the Brewers at 8-1. Yeah, right, right. Really liked their rotation. Loved their back end of the bullpen. Then Devin Williams went ahead and punched a locker or whatever he punched. And, Shadow boxing. Uh Yeah. Broke his hand, and it just all fell apart there for the Brewers against the Braves. Um, but as a Washington National fan, I'll be honest, when they were stinking up the joint at the All-Star break, you mad. I was not heartbroken. Right, I was not right. heartbroken. So when they made the... Come back, and I'm looking at it, I'm like, well, if we can just avoid the Mets making the playoffs and the Braves make it, well, I mean, you might as well. If we're going to get invited to the dance, we might as well try to try to win this thing, and here we are. See, in you the got World emotional.
4: Series. You got emotional instead of staying focused on what should have been your priority, cashing okay. the ticket. What the, I mean, come on. Nobody
3: in their right mind would have looked at this team at the All-Star break and said, you know what? Here's what I've learned. They're going to turn it around.
4: Here's here's what I've learned. When you're good at evaluating, whatever it is, the conclusion that and solution that you come to first, stick with it.
3: Well, sometimes you just you just pick a stinker and that and it doesn't come home. And then but you don't know it's a stinker until it and then, it then dies. Acuna, and then Acuna gets hurt, and you're thinking, well, there's no chance now. So. You know, props, props to this. Props to you for
4: having it. But, man, I wish you had doubled down.
3: I know. I should have.
4: You could have, you could literally have the Braves right now for about three, 400 to 1. Yeah. but Just in increments. I'm
3: just happy. Yeah, I'm happy at 16 to 1. Hopefully, we can get it home. We can have a nice little uh, celebration yeah. uh, at I'd some point. I'd love to
4: look up right before the All-Star break. What were well, the Braves? The I'm
3: World sure we World could World find World. it somewhere. I, they got to have been in the 40 to 50 to 1 range. and Even more than that. I and think. two years ago. Um, as I keep bringing it up because it was my favorite team and I enjoyed watching their run, they were in a similar spot. They started nineteen thirty-one. The Nationals did and beat these Ast- uh, beat these Astros. Uh, so, but when it comes to this lineup, as we learned in the ALCS, no lead is safe against the especially Houston when Astros. you get to the
4: bullpen. That's no the lead one lead is part safe. of baseball that just is. It's frustrating. Uh, it really, really keeps you on an emotional roller coaster because all it takes is one of these relievers. They have a bad night. I mean, for all for, oh, hell to break loose. And, you know, Mentor has been outstanding, mm-hmm. you know, in the postseason coming into this. But I don't know if if it was because it was unexpected because Charlie all of a sudden got injured. But, I mean, he's struggling to find the strike zone, and they're not struggling to hit it when he does. Well, if you do
3: like the Astros and think they have a chance to come back right now at DraftKings, plus, plus, plus 450 is where they are uh, on the live line uh, here uh, at DraftKings, that is, they're plus three and a half. Man, you can get them on the run line, plus three and a half, even or uh, plus money. That might be something to look at right there, plus three and a half for the Astros. Better do it now. If you got, yeah, they got men on the corners uh, against this bullpen with that lineup. Man, I would, I would certainly take at a look home, at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, pre-flop, by the way, the uh, the total was eight and a half, and we're at five runs through four innings. Bottom of the fourth. Uh, if you played any props over for the starting pitchers uh, that did not work out well because Charlie Morton got hurt uh, and Valdez got lit up at least for the strikeouts if you went over hits allowed by Valdez that came home uh but neither pitcher will record a win tonight so you can uh chalk up the no on that one both hit the under on their respective strikeout props at four and a half uh as Charlie Morton exits uh, once again with injury with, uh, let me just double Charlie check. Charlie
4: Morton. Sounds like there should be a restaurant. Like a like a Small town in Wyoming. Oh, yeah. Charlie Morton's. <laughs> well, Morton's is a, I know, it's is a, steakhouse, a delicious steakhouse. Charlie Morton. Charlie Morton's. Yeah, old Charlie Morton's <laughs> around there got the best ham and cheese this side of the country. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's just like the name. Oh, my goodness. Dansby Swanson. Yeah, yep, era on the Brave shortstop. Astros get a run in. Now they have first and third with only one out. Yep. As we sit bottom of the fourth.
3: Got to make the simple plays, man. They were going to concede a run, but they were going to get an out there. Instead, everyone's safe. Five to one, bottom of the fourth inning. And it wakes the crowd up. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was sleepy there. Yeah. It was definitely sleepy there. So, still a four-run game, but I think this thing is going to not be simple. Not going to be simple here for, uh, it never is for in the Atlanta Braves. And, oh, he just... Did the old hand on, uh, hand too soon
4: on that grounder too short in the, in the hole. So, didn't look it in. He was already looking at where he was throwing it as opposed to securing the ball. If you watch his head, ooh. Right off the inside part of the that hand, that might have too. hurt. Yeah,
3: that, that didn't feel good. Yeah, that didn't feel good at all. Uh, by the way, hey, shout out to the Vegas Golden Knights on the road tonight at Colorado, leading two to one. Uh, that one early, far from over in the third period,
4: uh, <laughs> as we saw it opening night. Three yeah, goal lead. We're good.
3: We're good on. Uh, we're good on our Knights bets here. Uh, we do have a busy show ahead as John Kuhn, former Packers fullback, will join us. Uh, we'll get his thoughts on the. COVID situation, how the Packers will respond to this. This line has gone up to six and a half now because in addition to Devontae Adams being out, as we talked about last night, we got news today that Alan Lazard was placed into COVID protocol. So he is out. And Marquez Valdez-Scanling is up in the air. Uh, So you could be without your top three receivers. And I know... got some cleats. (laughs) yeah. (laughs) We got can some, send your tape in. We got some top siders here. We think.
4: Yeah, you probably need a little more than a little that, a little, that, a little yeah. more than that. It is indoors though. That's true. Yeah, that's true. And a short drive. You know, five
3: hours. I call him up. I'm a big target. I'd skip work to see you play Thursday. <laughs> that would that would not be good for anybody if I was out there. It'd um, no, be great for us. Well, that's true. Oh, yeah. That's true. So, John Kuhn going to join us uh, after the break. Stanford Steve, our good friend Steve Coglin, will join us uh, at the bottom of this hour to talk some college football, his thoughts on where we stand right now, and uh, and Eric Eager, his weekly uh, check-in with us on week number eight of the NFL season. So we got a lot to get to. Five to one in game one of the World Series. Can the Packers pay in the Cardinals their first loss Shorthanded, john Kuhn. next right here on the nightcap make this football season your best sports betting season ever start your vsin free trial today to get full access to our sports betting experts including 24 7 video streaming daily best bet emails betting splits with the money and ticket percentages on every game plus full access to vsin.com data and analysis you get everything vsin has to offer for only 22 bucks a month sign up now head over to vsin.com backslash subscribe alongside Super Bowl champ Sean King. I am Tim Murray. It is the nightcap here on VEASAN. Braves able to get out of a jam, limit the damage. One run allowed there in the fourth. So five to one is the score heading to the fifth inning. Game one of the World Series with the Braves holding that five to one lead. A very eventful couple of days up in the state of Wisconsin with the Green Bay Packers heading down near us to Arizona to take on the Cardinals and to talk more about it and uh, whether or not he may suit up as a pass catcher for Aaron (laughs) Rodgers. We bring in former Packer, two-time Super Bowl champ, three-time Pro Bowl, and of course the pride of Shippensburg University. It is John Kuhn. John, appreciate you joining us. How you doing, man?
5: No, no problem, fellas. I'm glad to join you. You know, I still have the hands, but I don't know if I have the routes anymore. Uh, the legs aren't quite there where they used to be, but the Packers are looking for some help on the outside. You're absolutely right.
3: Well, I was just, uh, you know, when everyone, when uh, when Aaron was bringing back his old buddies, uh, you, you know, you're still up there in the area. You're part of the broadcast team. You're hosting a show in Milwaukee. Did you call him up say, Hey, say, uh, hey, Aaron, I mean, I could still hit a couple dudes in the backfield.
5: i got to tell you guys the truth. The it, it, Mercedes Lewis inspires me. Big dog and what he's able to do at the age of 37 inspires me to be better than what I am on a daily basis. <laughs> Unfortunately, three years removed from the game, and Sean will tell you this, it's... Too hard to come back from. So no, I never considered coming back myself. But watching what Big Dog, another one of Aaron's great friends, and now Randall coming back to the team and doing it's 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 all inspiring. It, it really makes you excited for the older guys.
4: I mean, John, you guys had Jordy Nelson. I keep telling my co-host Tim Murray, he has all the measurables. I mean, he's, he's six four and a half. He's a ginger, got big hands. I'm six six. All right? The problem is, it's slow feet. So. <laughs> And I've never been hit before. So uh,
3: that would be, it would be an issue. It, w- it would certainly be uh, an issue. Uh, John Co- Coon joining us, former Packer uh, up there uh, doing a show uh, on 97 3 in Milwaukee, 9 to noon.
4: Yeah, so let's jump into it, John. This offseason, all you heard about this was a marriage that could not be repaired. That Aaron was done with Green Bay, whether it be before the season, but definitely after the season. Before we even get into. You know the injury situation, COVID, and those type of things. Where is that relationship? Is this Aaron Rodgers' last season as a Green Bay Packer?
5: Well, it depends on what side of the dialogue you're you're going to agree with at this point in time. You know, this this so I, I never felt. I, I truthfully never felt in my heart. Aaron wasn't coming back to be the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, even when he missed OTAs, even when he missed you know the mandatory mini camp there in June, and uh, even up until the last weekend when when nothing was decided until you know uh, a day forty eight hours before training camp started. I never felt like it was over, and I felt like that for a couple of reasons. Number one, the Green Bay Packers had positioned themselves in a roster that was geared for winning now with a quarterback of a contract and uh, an ability of Aaron Rodgers. And, and, and that structure of the roster made all the sense in the world that the Packers would not trade him, that they could not trade him. And then the fact that I did believe that Aaron, although he um, may have had some differences, some, some creative differences with the Green Bay Packers organization, ultimately loves playing in Green Bay. He loves the fan base here. He loves the stadium here. He loves uh, his home. He loves his teammates here. So I, I never really believed that he would leave. However, um, as you look at the relationship, now the relationship is is as good as it's going to get. Him and Matt LaFleur, him and Brian Gunkunst are working towards getting closer to what him and Matt LaFleur have, and, and the relationships are about as good as they've ever been. However, I feel like what happened this summer could have been leveraged towards creating a breaking point of next year, which was when Jordan Love was drafted, the natural breaking point for the Green Bay Packers salary-wise with Aaron Rodgers. So I think this may have, this past summer may not have been about this year, but it may have been about years going forward, specifically next year, making it a cleaner split and, and ultimately giving Aaron more power. And who and where he could possibly go to play as a quarterback next year. I don't think it's written in stone quite yet. I think this year has a lot to determine the way that, that next year ultimately plays out but this year I felt very strongly he would be the Green Bay Packers quarterback. Next year I would say I don't know.
3: Talk once again to John Kuhn who uh, played for the Green Bay Packers for a, a handful of years, won a Super Bowl there Uh, made a handful of Pro Bowls, and now hosting a show up in Milwaukee. So, John, Devontae Adams likely out. I don't know if it's official yet uh, with the COVID tests. Uh, It looks like Alan Lazard, due to COVID protocols, he will be out. MVS, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is up in the air, coming off that hamstring injury. Uh, I know uh, Aaron Rodgers talked about a playoff game you were a part of where they were quite depleted, played Arizona at at the wide receiver position. So, what should we expect from Aaron Rodgers with the likelihood of him not having his top three targets on Thursday? Oh, by the way, the Arizona Cardinals are just seven and zero right now.
5: Yeah, I'll tell you what, fellas, I've been breaking down Arizona film for the last day and a half with this game coming up short week on Thursday. They're really, really good. This is this is top to bottom offense defense front-to-back, a, a solid team on both sides of the football, and every game kind of plays out the same. You know, Arizona just kind of chips away. They look efficient on offense. They end up with 30 points. No hum. Defensively, they turn the ball over a couple times. Oh, by the way, how do they get to 30 points a game? Well, you know, they have 62 points off of turnovers this year because their defense just does a good job of getting after quarterbacks and, and finding the football. So this is a very Difficult opponent, um, probably the best opponent that the Green Bay Packers have faced all season long. Hands down, the best opponent I would say now after watching uh, Arizona's tape that this is the best team that the Packers will play. And they've played now several defenses in a row that that have good defensive fronts and have been solid on the defensive side of the ball, but they haven't played a team as rounded as the Arizona Cardinals right now. And I think that's going to present some problems for the Green Bay Packers because when the Packers offense can't get a lead versus the defenses and let their defense tee off, It seems to be a struggle in the Matt LaFleur era, and this is one of those teams right now that it could possibly turn into a shootout, and Aaron Rodgers, in order to be in a shootout, is going to need a Devontae Adams. is going to need an Alonzer. He's going to need every weapon at his disposal. Do I count the Packers out? Absolutely not. I've seen Aaron Rodgers turn more water into wine than anybody else in the National Football League over the course of his career. However, at some point, in time the cinderella slipper has to fall off of an undefe- a team that's been undefeated without Devonte adams in the roster over the last two years and it might just be this thursday in arizona
4: and john it's why it was disappointing when i heard the news with COVID because i didn't really know you know what caliber of team green bay was even though they've won six in a row it's only really one quality win and even in that win I mean, the volatility of the kickers kind of took some shine (laughs) (laughs) off of the result. And that was, you know, the game at Cincinnati, you know, so this was going to be for me a benchmark for, you know, what I thought Green Bay was capable of. We got about a, a minute left. In your opinion, where's the ceiling this year for this Green Bay Packer football team?
5: I think the feeling is it was a let's run it back type year, however, uh, with the injuries of of David Bakhtiari coming back from last year's ACL, the early injury of of Elton Jenkins, now you got Jair Alexander, it's up in the air whether he needs to get surgery or not. Zadarius Smith likely won't be back until January, if back at all. I think the feeling, and a lot of people were talking about this game on Thursday being a benchmark for the Arizona Cardinals. I think most people close to the organization, the Green Bay Packers, and especially in the NFC, wanted this as a benchmark for the Green Bay Packers. They understand Colin Murray's up-and-coming. They understand Cliff Kingsbury's up-and-coming. They understand DeAndre Hopkins and J.G. Watt and all those guys out there are, are, are ready to make a name for themselves. But... But Aaron Rodgers is one of those guys that you don't want to see in the playoffs, and they want to know where they're at right now. I thought this game was going to be a benchmark for the Green Bay Packers, but unfortunately, when you go into a game without Devontae Adams and, and most likely Alan Lazard, and we'll see if anybody else pops up later this week, we just might not know until you know the rest of the schedule starts playing itself out.
3: He is John Kuhn, former Packer fullback, Kuhn! and now a uh, a member of, uh, of our world, the radio world. Welcome, uh, brother. John, appreciate the insight, and uh, enjoy the game on Thursday. Absolutely, guys. You as well. There he is, John Kuhn, former Packers fullback, two-time Super Bowl champion. We got some really interesting news regarding Charlie Morton's injury. Also, Stanford Steve, up next, it's the Nightcap here on V-C.
6: <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
7: This is the Nightcap on VSN, the sports betting network.
3: Indeed helps find great hires fast. Indeed is your all-in-one platform for interviewing, screening, and hiring high-quality people. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. It is the nightcap here on VEASAN alongside Sean King. I'm Tim Murray. Just a quick update. Charlie Morton. I was wondering, hey, maybe he'll come back. I don't know how severe the injury was. Uh, No, he won't be back. He has a broken leg. Uh,
4: Slightly
3: hard to pitch. Yeah. With a broken leg. A fractured fibula. Still pitched a perfect inning. Shout out to him. With a broken leg. Uh, so 5-1 to one is the score. Let's bring in our next guest. Friend of the program. You see him weekday nights on ESPN with Scott Van Pelt, Stanford Steve, Steve Coglin. Also check out his podcast, Stanford Steve and the Bear. Uh, you ever done anything on a broken leg, Steve?
7: Heck no. <laughs> <laughs>
3: You didn't pitch, a, he didn't pitch Charlie, a perfect inning in uh, Little League on a broken fibula like Charlie Morton just did?
7: Uh-uh, that was amazing, man, seeing what he just did. Incredible stuff from Charlie Morton. I actually like the Braves in the series knowing they had him game one, but now they're not going to have him the rest of the series, so they better get out of here with
4: a win.
3: Yeah, I know. I'm. Uh, I, I have a sixteen to one ticket, and uh, on the Braves, got it in the preseason. And Charlie Morton having a fractured leg doesn't make me feel better about that ticket. It right actually
4: now. made the series fair because Houston doesn't have my colors, so now you eliminate I don't Morton. Need, I don't need the
3: cheaters to get any fairness to them. So Dusty Baker's not a cheat. I know. <laughs> That's why I'm so conflicted, Steve, with this series. I love Dusty Baker. Who doesn't love Dusty Baker? Well, you
4: can't love Dusty Baker and then say the team he's managing are cheaters. Well, they are cheaters. They cheated. They're not cheating. He doesn't understand.
3: cheaters are still there.
4: The difference in these two words. We're yelling in front of company. I'm sorry. I apologize.
3: All right. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I want to get to this. Love the passion. Uh, Steve, I want to get to Michigan, Michigan State and and get your thoughts on this. I've seen a lot of people uh, look at the total. We had Brad Powers on yesterday. He liked the under, and you're starting to see it move in that direction. Pretty much 50 and a half, so it's Three points down from the opener. Michigan laying four and a half. Um, Sean is very high on the Spartans. Uh he's been on them all season uh-huh. long. Uh I, I have I have zero feel about this game because I mean these are two, in my eyes, very similar teams, run heavy teams. Michigan State, maybe wide receiver, has a little more playmaking capabilities. Uh what, what is yeah. your thought of what you what, what do you expect Saturday afternoon in East Lansing?
7: Well, here's the deal. I have uh, I have I have punished myself because I'm not allowed I'm not allowing myself to give out a noon Eastern kickoff game anymore. For uh, <laughs> further notice, I think I'm I think I'm like one in seven in my last eight, and the only win was that Oklahoma come from behind in the Red <laughs> River game. <laughs> so, so, um, I, I, I but I'll tell you, it stuck out. Like I love the under in this game. Um, when I saw it at 51, I, I was shocked. At how high that this number was, uh, I do love um, the matchup, though. I, I think it's a fascinating game. We know how m- both teams um, don't like each other. I think if Michigan State wins this game, they could they, they could lose the the rest of their games out, and they'll have a successful season. Now, <laughs> I know that fans want more, but uh, we know what they feel towards uh, the team from Ann Arbor. Uh, but I think Michigan, I like Michigan State in this spot, catching the points. Um, I, Michigan, when you go back and look, they haven't faced anybody that could throw the ball down the field. Um, and I'm not saying Michigan State's a, a, you know, a, a, a high-octane throwing uh, offense, but I like what they have at receiver with, with Reed and Naylor. Both those guys average like 20 yards a catch. Obviously, Walker's been you know, probably the most underappreciated player in the country with, that has that, as much success as he has had. Um, but Michigan causes a lot of problems uh, with that defensive line, and I think, it's a, I think it's a try and extend you know, drives game. Obviously, red zone, you've got to cash in when you're down there, but I still – I mean, I think I saw 50-and-a-half um, you know, just about an hour ago, uh, but I still like the under in that game I, I, it, when it comes down to having a side or a total or a feel for anything in that game.
4: Now, Steve, I am one of the few people in the country that have <laughs> multiple hundreds on Michigan State at eighty-five to one to win the Big Ten. I was I saw something in the fight in Mel Tucker's really, really early. Uh-huh. As I've watched the team from week to week, the passing game revolves around the composer of Peyton Thorne. When he's yep. composed and in rhythm, they're very, very dynamic. Which is why I'm a little afraid of the under in this game because he is capable mm-hmm. of really pushing the ball down the field what's your opinion uh, of sparty's starting quarterback
7: uh, i like him i, I think he's a, i think he's a huge factor Sean, when you look like he, he gives what you take you know or i should say he takes what you give him and i uh, i was on the wrong side when they played Rutgers. they had 390 ninety-yard touchdowns uh <laughs> and you take that away it, it's probably a one score game But I've been impressed with the Boise story. He showed me a lot in the Miami game earlier in the year. I know people are going to say it's Miami, but that's still a tough place to play going down there in that humidity. Uh, And Miami was still a valid team then. Um, So I I like what I see. I think what what, what starts with Michigan State is how many upperclassmen and six. I think they even have a seventh-year guy on that offensive line. So I I love what Mel's done and getting that experience in, in a spot, in a position group where in college football, it helps the world if you have guys knowing what you have up front and having continuity and practice and knowing each other so well. So that's been the main focus for me when Michigan State has been the success of that offensive line.
3: And Sparty coming off a bye, too. We're talking to Steve Coughlin, Stanford Steve. And uh, at home. Yeah, and and at home. Four yeah. and a half. First time, it's uh, I mentioned this last night, first time these two teams are playing each other, both in the top ten since 1964. Has been. Uh, it's been some. It's been a couple times. I just want
4: a Ric Flair strut down to the window and cash that eighty-five to one ticket. Let's make this. <laughs> there's a team it. in
3: Columbus. There's a team in Columbus that might have uh, something to say about that. Uh, let's go down to Jacksonville, Georgia, and Florida. The cocktail party, fourteen. But when it's Georgia and it's that defense, Steve, I, I get it. Uh, I want to see Anthony Richardson out there more. Uh I don't know Dan Mullen's fascination with Emory Jones. He's smarter than I am, but I just want to see Anthony Richardson more. Feels like a lot of points, but when you're going up against that defense, it is it's hard to score against them. Uh do you think Florida yeah. can get in the cover here uh against Georgia?
7: I think they can. The problem I have is how bad Richardson looked against LSU. Like it was just not, it was not pretty. And you mentioned what Georgia brings to the table on defense. Everybody knows if they've watched them. To me, what it comes down to is whether Florida's defense can hold up. And I don't think they can. I don't care who plays quarterback for Georgia. I love the offensive line. I love the weapons that they have as they're getting back more healthy. Uh, Bowers is just an insane freak as a true freshman tight end. Uh, you get the other kid back also. And I, I just like I, – I, I think it's a big spot for Todd Monk in the offensive coordinator for Georgia. I think mean, he could pull some shots early and put some pressure on Florida because they, they can't hang in there snap for snap against Georgia's offensive line. So I, I like the matchup for Georgia's offense in this game from what I've seen from Florida's defense. Uh, they're going to have to play over their head and create a lot of turnovers, and I don't think they're capable of that. I think Georgia's smart with the football. I mentioned whether it's Bennett or Daniels, it doesn't matter to me. Smart or, uh, Kirby said that, that Daniels has been paying free since last Thursday. Um, so that's a sign, but I, I, I expect to see both guys. I expect Georgia to control the football, and I think they're gonna, you know, that second half let that defense go, and uh, whoever's on their center for quarterback at, at Florida, look out. But I mean, this is a position you want. Um, I can't imagine what Florida fans are gonna say if they don't cover this <laughs> game. Um,
6: Find Mullen. What they
7: want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I don't know what they want, man. Like you're just you're not at that level. I mean, last I checked. They gave they gave Alabama the best game last year when toe for toe uh, with them in that SEC title game, and they had to replace a lot. Man, look at those guys they lost off that roster. So I think it's a tough spot for Florida, and I think you know any motivation Kirby could find, uh, you know, coming into this game as a two touchdown favorite, he's going to use it. And uh, it's tough for me to go against Georgia in this spot, especially knowing what happened last year too.
3: Well, Steve, there's one game out west that I uh, I know will be on Van Pelt's winners. I think Bear will have it as well, and that's Cal only getting a point against Oregon State fresh oh. off of that win. That line's stinky poo, uh, and I'm on it as well. I like Cal in that spot. But uh, you don't necessarily subscribe to the same philosophies that Van Pelt and myself and, and the Bear do. We've got less than a minute. Is there a game jumping out on the board that you really, really like?
7: I can't believe I'm saying this. I like Kansas plus the thirty and a half against <laughs> Oklahoma State. I like. I, I think it's a letdown spot for Oklahoma State, and I I, I like what I've seen from Kansas. Man, I think Lifehols done a really good job. And I I mean thirty points. Uh, they just went toe to toe with Oklahoma. I understand that, but I think what he's done is, is a good job. That's a ton of points. Um. So what, that that jumps out to me. I can't believe I'm saying it, but yeah, Kansas.
3: Rock Chalk, Jayhawk, I'll get you, uh, uh, we'll, we'll talk after the show. I can get you 31 here at Circa, so uh, get, <laughs> that, right. get that big number. Steve, as always, hey, we, uh, stuff, we appreciate the time, and uh, we'll see you tonight on uh, SportsCenter.
7: Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. There right. he is.
3: Stanford Steve. Steve Coughlin. Rock Chalk, Jayhawk. He likes pain. He likes pain. I'm not really disagreeing with it. (laughs) It's the nightcap here on Visa. Charlie Morton broke his leg. We'll get you the latest on the other side of the nightcap. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe
0: that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.
6: <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
7: This is the Nightcap on VSN the sports betting network.
3: Welcome back in this segment of the Nightcap being brought to you by Zin Nicotine Pouches. Zinn is working to create a world where you can enjoy life on your own terms. Zinn Nicotine Pouches are a smoke-free, spit-free, and hassle-free tobacco alternative that can be enjoyed on the go anywhere and anytime so you never miss a minute of the game or the tailgate party. Available in 10 varieties, including spearmint, coffee, and citrus, Zin can be found at convenience stores nationwide so you can find your Zin wherever you are Zinn's nicotine pouches are clean and discreet with no lingering smell plus it's easy to use indoors or out making it the perfect complement to your everyday also Zinn comes in two strengths so you have control over your nicotine satisfaction Zinn contains nicotine and is your is only for adult nicotine consumers 21 and over learn more and find your local realtor at Zinn.com. that's z-y-n.com warning this product does contain nicotine nicotine is an addictive Chemical. It is the nightcap here on VSN Game One of the World Series going on. Top of the sixth inning in Houston. Five to one Braves leading. Uh, the big news of this game, Charlie Morton broken fibula mm. out for the remainder of the postseason, but pitched a perfect inning on that broken fibula. Wow. Which is just incredible, badass, however you want to say it. Uh, Charlie Morton threw 10 pitches on a broken leg, sat down for a half inning, <clears> threw <throat> six more pitches, the last two of which were a 96-mile-an-hour fastball and an 80-mile-an-hour curveball to strike out Jose Altuve. He threw 16 pitches off the mound with a broken leg. So, Charlie Morton. Adrenaline. Done? Yeah. What's the uh, What's the most painful...
4: Injury, I played, I played, played my through. senior year. Uh, in week two, I broke my left wrist. And so they came up with like a cast that limited my flexibility during the game. And I played the rest of the year. You had a broken wrist? Yep, when I finished 10th in the Heisman.
3: But should, we, we already went over that. Yeah. Same. Job, jobbed. Should have been top three. If I knew
4: Aaron Oster at the time, I could have had him as the campaign manager and probably would have finished ninth. When did, did it hurt all year? I mean, when you have a chance to do something special, you just block it out.
3: I understand, but still, I mean, yeah, during a game, but my God.
4: Guys were built differently <laughs> okay. because the environment was different. Like, pre-2000, let's say, 15, 16, and the further back you get, football is a gladiator sport. Oh, like, yeah. It was a badge of honor to be tough, to be durable, to be available That was kind of how you made a name for yourself. And guys fought through a lot of things. Now the game is more based on skill than it is physicality. Guys are, in my opinion, not as wired from a mental and physical toughness standpoint. A lot more guys are willing to opt out. You aren't held accountable by your teammates or your peers for not being available like we were back then. So it's just a different breed of player not saying it's right or wrong it's just the truth yeah i can't you had to be tough to play quarterback
3: mean, like, broke your wrist man but like,
4: you just you got hit though yeah like it was no i threw an incomplete pass somebody fell by my feet and i went running to the ref he touched me he touched me no he touched me throw the flag
3: <laughs> i like that voice for real i like you know?
4: that it was bill romanowski and, and ray lewis and those guys hitting hey, you square in the chest, helmet in your chin. I'm going to kill you. And you got to look, I'm somebody's child. Like, take it easy, bro. <laughs> then they get up and kick the ankle off you. Your old lineman come and bump them. Hey.
3: Yeah, I think
0: Roman. My bad,
4: King. Hey, don't worry about it. I know you're going to get him next time, big fella.
3: <laughs> Slap him on the butt. Like, All right, yep. Oh, please, Lord. <laughs> Can you please allow ray lewis not to destroy me on the but that
4: was the difference in the league back then the guys on defense could after you threw the ball they had a two-step cushion so when you threw a pass they could take two steps and still hit you like a normal tackle so it was was like part of playing that position was being able to withstand the violent physical part No, it's a lot tougher to play quarterback (laughs) So these guys here, they're chilling. Like they, they'll throw an incomplete pass, and somebody like will touch like the side of the earpiece, and the ref will throw a flag. I know. Are we we go contact to the head of the quarterback. I'd be like, man, where was that?
3: <laughs> Why well, couldn't you have thrown that when I was playing for real. Like,
4: what's the guy's name? One last story. Uh, he played. Uh, he ended up being bipolar. He played for the Bears. Uh, long arms. Uh, I think it was John something. Man, he must have slapped me in my head on the ground. Like I told you I was coming back. And I just looked at him. And I wasn't afraid, but I was really smart. So I acted afraid. Because like I didn't want to upset the guy. You know, a bully catch you in the alley, the last thing you want to do is, hey, you know, let's fight. It's like, Let me talk my way out of this. I was like, you know what? I'm going to come support your charity this offseason. Just shoot me an uh, email. <laughs> oh, man. Some great, some great conversations happening. I
3: could only imagine. Oh. Uh, I could only imagine. Headed to the uh, bottom of the six, five to one is the score. You were asking a question during the break. We just had Stanford Steve on. Uh, Fascinating. And you wanted to to get into a little scenarios. I this honestly, this is my favorite thing to do. Uh, I'm I'm weird. So like present that. the scenario. Yeah. So please present the scenario because I was tweeting about <laughs> Cincinnati today. So present your scenario. I'm curious. So here's
4: Armageddon okay. for me. And then we're talking about the four teams that get into the college football playoff. Yep. And I'm going to presume for this scenario that Georgia mm-hmm. goes undefeated and wins the SEC championship. All game. right. So Alabama's out. So Alabama's out. Okay. Sure. What happens if one loss Oregon wins the Pac twelve? Mm-hmm. Undefeated Oklahoma wins the Big Twelve. Big 12. Okay. Undefeated Wake Forest wins the ACC, Mm -hmm. and the Big Ten champion is either a one-loss Ohio State team or a undefeated Michigan or Michigan State team.
3: I think Wake Forest is out. That would be my guess. The reason would be, I think Georgia— So the ACC
4: now has not not had a participant. Granted, it's been Clemson. Correct and
3: right. last year technically cuz Notre Dame was in the ACC right. last year they had two in so i think my personal belief in this scenario that you presented i think it would be wake forest being left out the reason is oregon has that win at ohio state but now,
4: ohio state's not the big 10 champions you so said
3: one loss ohio state
4: right so let's let's say ohio state loses to michigan michigan state okay. or penn state well if michigan's on undefe- if michigan if michigan or michigan state is michigan the undefeated B- Whoever, whichever, I yes. Think, I think because of the, well, Here Since I have the ticket on Sparty, let's go Michigan State. Undefeated wins the big team. Oh, then Wake Forest is out. Uh, over Oregon.
3: I think because Oregon has that win over Ohio State, and they will beat Utah on the road, their Pac-12 championship game will likely be against a ranked Arizona State. You just have to look at how the ACC is thought of this year. Uh, Wake Forest, now, once again, if Wake Forest runs the table, they will have a road win at Clemson, which doesn't mean game. much. Uh, they would have a win over UNC, which, depending on what they do this weekend, doesn't look that great. I don't think there uh, is NC an in-conference
4: State. win that matters in the ACC.
3: Pittsburgh would
4: look good if they beat... Well, they'd play them in if the they ACC beat, championship. In
3: this hypothetical scenario, if they beat Wake, uh, Pittsburgh in this situation to go undefeated... It would be quite the discussion. Personally, I believe it would be Oregon. Even though they lost to Stanford, I think what the committee would say to help out Oregon would be, number one, they tested themselves in the non-conference. They went on the road. They beat Ohio State. And they won that game without Kayvon Thibodeau. And then I am almost guaranteeing you that this will be brought up maybe next Tuesday when the first batch of rankings is revealed. Oregon lost to Stanford on a terrible refereeing call, Mm -hmm. and Joe Moorhead, their offensive coordinator, was not with the team. He was dealing with health issues, so they played that game without their offensive coordinator. Look, the committee over the years, we know this, they find ways to help teams out, and I think that win over Ohio State right now is one of the most impressive wins in the country. Now, if Michigan State knocks off Ohio State, and Ohio State has, you know, two or three losses, then it's not as impressive. But in that scenario, I think it's Georgia, no doubt, Oklahoma, no doubt, Michigan State, no doubt, and then I think Oregon, in my opinion, as crazy as it would sound, would get in over an unbeaten Wake Forest because you also have to remember, Sean, where did they start the season? As much as the committee wants to say it doesn't matter, early season perception does matter. And Here, by the way, in here's that the, scenario, here's, here's the Cincinnati is not in Here's the problem right thought. quick
4: with, with that scenario. Oklahoma doesn't deserve to get in. But they're undefeated. Oklahoma's got a five-point win at Tulane, a seven-point win against Nebraska, three points West Virginia, six points Kansas State, and is coming off a beat in Kansas in a miracle comeback by 12. If, like if you look at the actual results, and we'll talk about it on yeah. the other side of the break, Oklahoma doesn't deserve to be in.
3: Yeah, but if you're they're undefeated. Iowa State, Oklahoma State twice, Texas, better than what Wake Forest would have. We'll continue this conversation on the other side. It's the nightcap. You're on these.